From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, December 20th through Friday, December 24th, 2021. A week of last-minute shopping, holiday planning, and dealing with an Omicron wave that's throwing an anxiety fly in everybody's ointment. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how's your tree? We're about to embark upon an hour of Black Belt Talk Radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, righties, and fence-sitters. Don't get angry, just maintain a degree of educated skepticism. We'll be joined by Jim Polito, a real New England patriot, I don't mean the football kind, discussing the economy. Speaking of football, Richard Neer in New York talking about COVID's role in disrupting the NFL. Dr. Dahlia Wax on navigating this holiday week as safely as possible. Bob Carson of Newsmax explaining the impact of toxic conspiracy theories from both the left and the right. And Victoria Jones in the nation's capital talking about Christmas traditions around the world. It's the power-packed weekend radio show featuring opinionated yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations as well as the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do their daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap, heard coast-to-coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K., the past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information's gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. Fasten your C-Crane CC earbuds. Speaking of which, this installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap is sponsored in part by C-Crane, makers and distributors of great radios. Visit their website at ccrane.com or give them a call at 800-522-8863. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thank you, Michael. At number 10, the holidays tied with the national psyche. America celebrates the second Christmas of what seems like the unending COVID era, with holiday plans, including get-togethers and travel, being thrown into disarray due to fears of what appears to be an extremely contagious strain of the disease. And psychological reports and studies indicate that the national mood is on high anxiety. A growing number of people are simply declaring the pandemic to be over, regardless of the facts and stats. They're just plain old sick of it, sick of being sick sick or sick of fearing sickness, sick, sick, sick. At number nine, immigration crisis and reform. Although taking a back burner position this past week among the hottest topics on talk shows, the southern border crisis remains just that, a humanitarian crisis and a huge public safety issue in the border towns and cities of the Southwest. And it's a growing crisis that can't just be ignored or wished away. 
At number eight, climate change and science. Although the Midwestern tornadoes of two weeks ago are no longer front page news, the death, destruction, and despair left in their wake remain very real and a topic of conversation, especially in the region of the country directly impacted. Although there's still controversy about the role of human-made carbon emissions in the process of global warming, there is a growing consensus among the left and the right that the Earth's climate is indeed changing, regardless of cause, and not in a way that's friendly to human civilization as we know it. At number seven, a tie between the pitfalls of social media and cybersecurity. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google, even YouTube remain the targets of constant criticism and government scrutiny over a variety of concerns, ranging from political bias and censorship to personal privacy and manipulation. Our basic notions of First Amendment rights and anti-monopoly laws are being tested by the new technology and its impact on our society. Speaking of privacy and security, hackers from the U.S. and abroad pose an ever-growing threat to our businesses and identities, not to mention our national security. Check out the website scamaside.com for the latest updates on the increasing number of scams that lurk in the dark alleys of cyberspace. At number six, U.S. relations with China and Russia. You are correct, Michael. Our national security in dealing with adversaries such as China and Russia, not to mention North Korea and Iran, is increasingly endangered by the emerging cyber wars of the 21st century that are rapidly replacing the concept of military power being the determining factor in national defense. By the way, this week marked the 30th anniversary of the official fall of the Soviet Union. Remember Mikhail Gorbachev, Glasnost, and tear down this wall? And number five, race relations tied with crime and violence. The spike in statistics relating to urban street crime involving guns, drugs, theft, and homelessness continues to rise at an alarming rate, with people across America crying out, enough is enough. The romantic allure of big cities such as San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York is more the stuff of old songs than today's grim reality. At number four, a tie between voter legislation and abortion. Voter legislation has turned out to be the key states' rights issue of the early 21st century and is one of the key factors fueling the aforementioned racial unrest in America. The seeming death of the Build Back Better bill might prompt the Democrats in the Senate to reinvigorate their thus far flaccid initiative to provide federal counterbalance to the voter legislation juggernaut sweeping the red states across the country. Perhaps our friend Joe Madison of Sirius XM Satellite Radio will actually have a reason to end his ongoing hunger strike. Then again... Don't hold your breath. At number three, the January 6th investigation. It's hard to believe we're approaching the first anniversary of what is now being referred to in the media as 1-6. Was it a treasonous insurrection or a patriotic riot? And the Democrats are racing against the clock to get something concrete going before the midterm elections and they potentially lose control of the House and the Special Select Committee. At number two, COVID-19 Omicron variant vaccines, tests and politics. As mentioned earlier, the continuation of the COVID era and the rising fear of a winter wave of the Omicron variant has ramped up anxiety in America and heated up the debate between those who are pro-vaccination, which includes both Joe Biden and Donald Trump, 
and those who outspokenly cling to an anti-vax stance. It was amazing to see the crowd boo former President Trump at his recent history tour appearance with Bill O'Reilly when he dared to tell the crowd that he has taken the booster and recommends that they do so as well. Meantime, the demand for COVID tests is far greater than the supply, causing a long wait on lines and for doctor appointments to get tested and sparking the emergence of an illegal underground market for test kits. At number one this week, the economy highlighted by the Build Back Better bill being stalled. Some folks are calling Senate Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia a hero for voting his conscience and literally stopping the $2 trillion Biden package in its tracks. Others are calling his last-minute announcement delivered on Fox News a betrayal of his party and its core principles. So as we celebrate Christmas 2021, America faces a 30-year record high rate of inflation, supply chain delays, a perplexing labor shortage, mixed messages from Wall Street, a potential housing bubble, and widespread uncertainty as to just what factors are determining the fate of our extremely uncertain economy. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Christmas weekend edition of the Michael Harrison rap. Joe Biden's cornerstone Build Back Better initiative hit a roadblock this week due to U.S. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia giving it a thumbs down, as well as another finger aiming in the opposite direction to his fellow Democrats. Joining us from New England, where his morning show is heard on radio stations in Boston, Providence, Worcester, and Springfield, is conservative talk show host Jim Polito. What was your reaction to uh, Manchin's uh, decision to halt that particular initiative in its tracks. First of all, Michael, thank you for having me. And it, it truly is an honor to be with the guru of talk. No, uh, to, be, to be interviewed by the guru of talk is, you know, kind of like, <laughs> what, what am I doing here? Why, 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 why am I here? But, Michael, thank you. Well, I, I, first of all, it was a surprise because Joe Banchin stuck to his word. Joe Manchin stuck to his word and said, I can't go back to uh, West Virginia and explain this to the people of West Virginia. And on top of that, it's a state where 69% of the people in West Virginia voted for Donald Trump. And if you check and see whether or not Donald Trump people are interested in adding the Green New Deal, um, despite all of the the polish and bells and whistles that the Biden administration and the Democrats put on it, it was basically the Green New Deal with some treats to get people's attention. Um, You know that he can't go back to his state and say this was great when 69% of the people there voted for Trump. So that, that was one, but he did stick to his word, and he didn't go partisan. What surprised me about it, too, or I shouldn't say surprised me, was that the left immediately... The fangs came out and the claws came out, and which I thought was so foolish because, um, as Mitch McConnell said, you know, the most important vote is your next vote. Democrats, you're going to need Joe Manchin for something else. Don't give him an excuse to jump ship and go to the Republicans because Mitch McConnell has made that clear that he'd take him. And, um, but these are the same people who tell us all the time, Oh, John McCain was wonderful, so bipartisan, so bipartisan. Well, you've got a John McCain now. You have a John McCain, the same way that John McCain shut down Donald Trump's attempt to to uh, end Obamacare. Joe Manchin is the same. I'm surprised you're not praising him. Now, Michael, you know I'm being sarcastic. 
Well, you, you are, but, but there, there's certainly there's certainly a lot of truth to what you're saying, and there is a history, of course. Otherwise, everybody would vote one way, and there would be no bipartisanship whatsoever, and that mm. that would that would become a problem. But this is a crucial issue, and uh, a lot of core values are on the line. Um, I, I want to get back to the whole thing about Mansion uh, jumping ship, but first, mm-hmm. if, if you were king, what would you do now? Uh, the economy still has some very big question marks. Um, yeah. uh, the, the, the build it back better is off the table for a while. Some parts of it might come back. But what would you do if, um, if, if you were uh, in charge in terms of dealing with the problems that the nation is facing economically, the supply chain, inflation, uh, the labor force issues, the uncertainty of where we're going? What do you think we should do? I would go back. You said core uh, you know, values. I would go back to the core values. I would back off pouring more money from a credit card, which is what Build Back Better was going to be, pouring more money into the economy and getting people back to work. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a, a silver lining or there's a yin and yang of this whole thing. Many people are reevaluating their careers because they have the money to right now, because we provided that money as a result of the pandemic. But on the other side of this, as they're not going back into the economy, the economy can't fire up again. And add to that inflation, which was going to happen anyway. I'll give Joe Biden his due. When the economy restarted, there was going to be inflation, no matter who was president. But you don't pour gasoline on a fire. And the infrastructure bill, the build back better, that's pouring more gasoline. Back off of it. Leave it alone. And the fundamentals, which is what Wall Street keeps telling us, are pretty good. Are pretty good. We don't have we have a real estate bubble, but we don't have a real estate bubble like we had in 2008 that was supported by um, junk bonds. And um, get us drilling for oil again. I know that the the climate change folks are saying, Jim, how could you say that? A driving factor: the people who are on the working end of this economy, they are suffering the most because they're paying more for fuel. Now, the Biden administration did a victory lap that it dropped five cents, and maybe it's going to go down a little more through the holidays, but it's still not enough. Cheap fuel runs an economy, and I, and I think that's going to be a problem in the coming year um, because the moves by this administration to cut back on energy, um, our own production, which we were self-sufficient during the last administration, I think that's going to hurt the economy more. All right, switching back to the other subject about Manchin uh, switching over. Uh, mm. I, I, I floated this with a few of our guests over the past few months that, uh, you know, Manchin just might be primed to be the replacement for Biden. And, of course, that was an mm. outrageous idea uh, by staying a Democrat because more and more it seems that uh, there is a good chance that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, too, won't be on the ticket for the Democrats in, uh, in 2024. For. Um, what do you think? What do you, what, I agree. What, what? I agree with you. I think that I, I think the next year is not the year of Joe Biden and not the year of Kamala Harris. And I do think that the Democrat Party is going to take their losses in the fall, but they're going to have to come up with a new team. And where are they going to go on the bench? Uh, Joe Manchin. Um, well, the, the the 
Biden administration overpromised to their radical left, to their to their extreme left, and now they didn't get Build Back Better. I think it would be difficult to put Manchin in that position, but Manchin right now appeals to the entire country. When Charlemagne the God asked that question, is <laughs> is he the president? Uh, He may not have been that far off from the truth. Not that there's a lot I agree with Charlemagne over, but he may not have been that far off from the truth. That's popular New England morning talk show host Jim Polito, heard daily in Boston, Providence, Worcester, and Springfield. Coming up next, the impact COVID-19 and its Omicron variant are having on sports. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Hey, fellow radio lover, have you noticed how hard it is to buy a radio these days? The stores hardly have any, let alone a selection. I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but there's one subject I do know a lot about, and that's radio. So let me share with you a secret that many, many radio industry professionals have known for years. The place to get a radio, just about any kind of high-quality radio or radio-oriented device, is C-Crane. C-Crane is the company that specializes in radios of all sorts, large and small, radios that sound good and operate under all kinds of conditions. Radios that pluck AM, FM, and shortwave signals and weather and emergency alerts out of the air, as well as leading-edge audio devices that'll connect you to the internet. C-Crane is the place to go to find a perfect radio for yourself or a cool gift for that radio lover in your life. Call 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863. Or visit them online at ccrane.com. ccrane.com. Continuing now with the Christmas weekend installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap. The latest surge in the pandemic continues to cast a shadow over the holidays in terms of business, travel, and leisure. This, of course, includes the big business and big pastime of sports. Joining us from the Big Apple, where he hosts a long-running show on all sports radio station WFAN, is the legendary Richard Neer. Well, Richard, here we are. It's the holiday season. This is the Christmas weekend program of the Michael Harrison Rap, and uh, we're in the um, the home stretch of the football season. And um, clearly, one of the bellwethers of um, COVID is following professional sports. Although it seemed that uh, they're all flying above the uh, the fray, they're now in the fray. COVID has become a uh, a factor in the games, hasn't it? Sure has, and we kind of thought we were over it. Didn't we think that? You know, the baseball season went on and stadiums were full. Football began and they had the protocols and 97% vaccinations. And we thought, okay, life is getting somewhat back to normal on the sporting scene. And just in the last couple of weeks, uh, oops, we spoke too soon. So what's happening? I mean, um, are they changing the rules, the protocols? We had the uh, Aaron Rodgers controversy. Um, what what uh, you and I are having this just for the sake of um, 
complete dis, uh, disclosure, we're having this conversation about uh, five days earlier than the weekend in prep for the um, the holiday weekend show. But I imagine things will be basically the same come the weekend in terms of this factor. What is the, the state of, of the COVID situation and its impact on the games? It is in flux. It is uh, the old thing when you were a kid. You can't make up the rules as you go along. Well, that's kind of what they're doing. Hmm. They've got a plan. You know, they're trying to keep people safe. They're trying to appease national television and the ratings there. But uh, the situation is so fluid. They're, they're having to make new rules as they go along. And, uh, you know, because of social media, the coaches and players are complaining and saying, oh, that's not fair. We don't want this. We don't want that. And um, it, it's become crazy because you can't know. The, the Brooklyn Nets are a great example. Remember, you know, the Kyrie Irving story. Sure. Where he refused to get vaccinated. And he, they said, well, that's it. You're, if you can't play every game, we don't want you at all. And then they changed their mind and said, well, we'll let you just play road games uh, because you're not vaccinated. Well, the minute he checks in, he's on the protocol. <laughs> he turn, turns out to be positive. So did Kevin Durant, James Harden, all these guys, something like 11 of the Nets we're on the protocol. So they, they're playing games. They uh, had the best record in the East, and they had a big game with the Lakers on Christmas Day scheduled, and none of their guys are going to be there. So, you know, when you go to a game, you don't know whether you're going to see the Nets or the B team. Mm. Now, I, I started this conversation by, by discussing football, but you're absolutely correct. Basketball is also in full swing, which um, at the time we're having this conversation, which league, the, uh, the NBA or the NFL, seems to be most susceptible and most impacted by COVID? Well, I think with the NBA, the good thing for them is that they're in the middle of the season. So if they decide to postpone games, they can make them up later. You know, they've got the flexibility. Okay, well, we'll see you in March instead. Hopefully when the real bad stuff is over, hopefully. Football is in a different situation because they're over three quarters of the way through the season. Most teams only have four games left or three games left, depending on when you're listening to this. And football is played once a week. It's hard for them to make up games. And with the 17-game schedule now and the Super Bowl being a week later than it normally would be anyway, with a 16-game schedule and the playoffs being expanded as they are, it's... You know, we could be playing professional football in March if they have to postpone games. Mm. And they're trying everything they can not to do that. But the problem is if you've followed your team all year and then in the week 16, 17, your star quarterback comes down with COVID and you don't have him. There goes your whole season. So right, it's, right. it's just a crazy situation. Yeah, the drama of football, even in, even basketball with the seven-game finals, you know, it, it, there's no focal point where it's do or die. You know, <laughs> this is it. It all comes down to one game, which is what I think makes football very exciting. But at this time of, at this time of history, with COVID playing such an influence, it, it, it changes um, – uh, the spontaneity of the situation into an instability, in my opinion. As a matter of fact, I would imagine 
uh, first of all, uh, the preponderance of injuries in, in football always had, there's a certain unstable aspect to football that you never know from week to week whether a team is going to be, you know, healthy or not. Um, but then you add the COVID factor. One of the sociological phenomenon that you and I have discussed on, on in our conversations for this program has been the element of gambling and how it's impacted the culture of sports. Certainly, you could tell that by watching the commercials when you're watching um, football. Um, I don't watch that much basketball anymore, but I assume it's, it goes on there as well. What has this done, this instability because of COVID, what has it done to the nature of gambling on games? Well, I'm not an advocate on gambling on games in the first place. But if you do it and you think you know who the players are and what the matchups are going to be, you don't know until game time who's going to be on the team. I mean, some of these situations, if you get two negative tests after being diagnosed, you're able to play and they can activate you at the last minute. So the the instability, I mean, it's crazy anyway this year, as you know, with the football teams up, teams down, you never know what's going to happen. But now with COVID, it really throws a monkey wrench into the whole thing. And you might as well just throw darts and pick your teams, really. That's sports talk radio legend Richard Neer of WFAN in New York. You're plugged into the Christmas weekend edition of the Michael Harrison Wrap. We're joined now by our health correspondent. She's a nationally respected physician and a Talkers Heavy 100 syndicated radio host, her daily on the Genesis Communications Network, Dr. Dahlia Wax. Dr. Wax, first of all, I want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. We're talking on the program, which is airing on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas. So I don't think it gets any more Christmassy than that. Would you agree? Oh, my favorite holiday. Merry Christmas. I love it. Absolutely. So, you know, you're, you've been on top of this for us now for, for two years. We've been talking about uh, COVID-19, and here we're heading uh, into COVID-22 or <laughs> yep. whatever yep. How, whatever the year means in the name. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty uh, this Christmas, and because we're talking at a time when people are still putting plans together and maybe, you know, altering them with a week ahead of, of it being holiday-ish, and I say ish because a lot of people work through the holidays nowadays and some people don't work at all. Mm-hmm. What, are your, what are your thoughts about how people should think about, you know, gatherings, traveling and all that stuff? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, the holiday seasons are about, you know, being together and having, you know, the losses that we had about it. over 800,000 people die throughout the pandemic. It starts to have two schools of thought. One is COVID can kill. You need to protect yourself. You need to be careful. But the other school of thought is life is too short. And when a grandparent hasn't seen their kids grow up, and it's been two years, starts to make you second guess, do we skip another Christmas? And I'm not recommending anybody skip Christmas. I think there's some things you could do smartly, like, you know, try to get some more ventilation in the house, try not to have as many people, make sure you're vaccinated, um, make sure other health parameters are good, like sleeping well, eating well. But, you know, family is so crucial. We only have one life to live. 
And, and it is, it's, it's a frightening time. And anybody who's like, you know, maybe we should move our, our Christmas celebration to when we don't have to be at an airport for hours on end. That works too. You know, you don't necessarily have to celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Thanksgiving right on that day. If you notice you're at less risk with airport and travel doing it, you know, on the 27th or the 28th, you know, we, one thing about COVID is we've been creative. Mm. And so a lot of things we thought we could never do, we're doing. What do you think about air air travel? I mean, that, that's I hear it from you know. You talk about two schools of thought. One is, is it safe to be with so many people? And the other is, it's so uncomfortable and so hostile and nasty. I have not flown since the pandemic began, and I've done some traveling. I've done a lot of driving, and that's no fun either. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about travel? You know, it's interesting because, you know, you know, when people were, you know, complaining about the masks and I understood, but I, you know, part of me was like, you know, gosh, can you choose your fights? We're going to have bigger fights than this. I had flown back from talkers last year, um, from New York to Las Vegas. And when I was wearing the mask, for some reason, the partial pressure of oxygen was lower. I'm not exactly sure what was going on in the cabin or if it was me, but I had trouble breathing. I had trouble breathing in the mask. And so my husband and I actually canceled travel because I, after surgery, I, there's no way I could have any sacrifice of breathing on a plane and the mask really significantly, I felt it. And so for those people that, you know, don't breathe well with the masks, you can't get on a plane because they're going to mandate the masks and somebody wearing panties on their face like they did the other day, that's going to not only get you kicked off that flight, but kick, kicked off future flights. So for those of you that can't handle the mask, then you might want to avoid travel. And for those of you that, you know, can only travel as long as the stars are aligned. You need to expect delays. You need to expect a lot of people. You need to expect missing your flight, missing your luggage. And if you are vulnerable and any of those things that happen could hurt you medically or psychologically, I wouldn't go there. I would then, I would then try to have people travel to you or go by car. What kind of mask do you use? I like the N95 respirators because those are what we've used in hospitals for years. And a lot of the ones we wear, sadly, don't protect, which is why we're having all these waves despite masks in mask mandated cities. It's because people haven't been given the N95 respirators that were supposed to have been done during the Trump and Biden administration and never happened. So people are wearing scarves or underwear or whatever, and Omicron can outsmart that, and it's getting through. What does it do? It, it goes through the, 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 the fibers? It, it actually is small enough to make its way through the microscopic openings? Great question. I think it's the, the seal. It, the the cheek, the nose, these masks are slipping. Mm. And and so if you don't have the proper seal and the proper fit, uh, you know, air, get, because you're breathing, air's, air's getting through. And yes, some of these masks are so porous as well that it's, it could go through the mask. So, uh, so, so the the the, the N95 that you talk about is is not just uh, the how tight it is in terms of the the weaving, but it's also it, it holds closer to the face. Yes, because I see a lot of people with their noses sticking out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or, you know, cigarette out one side of the mask. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and it's, it just, it, you know, they got the, they're, they're, they're following the laws, but this is why people are still, you know, they, they, you know, viruses will find a way around that. Um, in the uh, remaining moments I have you, um, what about, uh, uh, Omicron? Is it, I, I hear different things constantly. I, I hear, reasonable people saying or reasonable sources saying that everybody's going to get it because it's just, you know, 
thousands of times, 70 times, whatever the word is, more you know contagious than anything we've had before. Um, and uh, we're in for a terrible winter. Then others say that's the case, but it's milder and maybe we'll all get herd immunity as a result. And then others say it's all a ploy just to scare people. What, what's your take on reality when it comes to this latest variant? Exactly. Well, well, I agree with the first two. Um, yeah, you know, the, not the third, but you mm. know, it, it, yeah, cause I, th- this Omicron thing is though interesting in, in that we were at 12% of the cases two, three days ago, then 23% and overnight. Now it's 73% of the cases. Something doesn't sound right. Either A, we're finally testing it and it's been around for weeks and only now the numbers are jumping or this is the fastest virus I've seen in the history of medicine to be able to replicate that quickly and infect that quickly. So I think it's a combination of both. And so the other question that people have, which, you know, you've brought up is, is it mild? But then if it is mild, how come the UK, how come South Africa had a reported hospitalizations? And in Houston, we just had a death from this. So is it truly milder? Is it milder because people are vaccinated? So I, I think the reason why we're getting all these different theories is because we haven't, we, we still don't understand what's going on. So my guess is it's been around for weeks. Only now we're testing it. And because people are traveling, they're testing more. So there's an artificial, you know, number boost as opposed to all these people are currently sick. But don't underestimate anything because if hospitalizations are going up, is it because of Omicron or is it because of flu? Until we know, we can't say how mild or severe something is. That's noted physician and radio talk show host, Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. Coming up next, a few words with Rob Carson from Newsmax. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. 
continuing now with the Christmas weekend installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. Let's take a trip to Kansas City, Missouri and pay a visit to Rob Carson, who hosts a weekly TV show on Newsmax TV called What in the World, as well as a recently launched syndicated daily radio show. What do you think of the whole concept of conservative media having this tainted uh, image from the conspiratorial nature of it? And well, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's all conservative, Michael. Okay. I think there are, I think there are plenty of, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump, uh, Russia collusion. You know, there's a lot of things on the other side. There were, they, they, there were all sorts of conspiratorial things. Uh, Donald Trump peeing on a bed, uh, having prostitutes pee on a bed. Again, I could, there are other things, too. Um, generally, I understand what you're saying with uh, largely conservative types like uh, Alex Jones. Um, this all kind of started with uh, Art Bell, of course. And Art Bell was kind of interesting because you could talk about UFOs and Bigfoot. And then all of a sudden and, it slipped into politics. Yeah, and then George Norrie, I haven't listened to the show forever. But it was it was a way for this kind of intellectual maybe uh, on the spectrum to some degree, guy exploring, exploring things in a very esoteric way. And it was, I thought his show was pretty fascinating. I, I was able to see past him and go, oh, come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, and then, then people like Alex Jones came along, and I've never, uh, nothing against Alex. It's his business, what he wants to do. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't even look at it. Nah. Couldn't hear it, couldn't look at it, because I, I've got a BSO meter. I grew up in the Midwest, you know. Um, I, I have a thing called common sense and life experience and you gotta be able to go, no, come on, man, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And I wouldn't, and I, some people do it for ratings. Some people do it cause they believe it and get ratings. There you go. Well, uh, yeah. And, uh, all media, all commercial media that ultimately has to have ratings to have uh, the lifeblood of money fa- faces that point along the spectrum between truth and, you know, and deceit, uh, as to where they draw that line. And sometimes when you're surrounded by people in your company, uh, who all, you know, have that same party line, you get caught up in it. And that's yeah. when the, the ethics, uh, <laughs> the ethics yeah. meter starts to change as to where you're in the red or when you're not, uh, that's a whole psychology, a whole psychological issue that uh, that affects uh, the media. So uh, you know what I'm talking about. You can't lie to people. No, you just, it'll catch up with you. You can't lie to people. You've got. To, I always say connection is as important as content. That's Newsmax TV and radio talk show host Rob Carson. This conversation is an excerpt from a much longer in-depth conversation I had with Rob that you can hear on my podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, and you can listen to it at mhinterview.com. You're plugged into the Christmas weekend edition of the Michael Harrison Wrap. Let's drop in on our Washington correspondent and executive director of the D.C. radio company, Victoria Jones, and see what she's up to for the holidays. Well, here we are. It's Christmas weekend. Some people are listening on Christmas Eve, which in my opinion is the real holiday. And then some people are listening on Christmas, which in most people's opinion is the real holiday. And then there are some stations playing it the day after Christmas, which um, people still think is the holiday. (laughs) So... So, um, Merry Christmas, Victoria Jones. You have such an international uh, uh, background. You've seen many different kinds of Christmases in your life, haven't you? Many kinds of Christmases, including in Perth, Western Australia, where some people have Christmas lunch on the beach. That's an interesting uh, tradition. Is that a tradition? 
Yeah, it really is. They have shrimp on the barbie. They they truly do have shrimp on the barbie. And they have Christmas lunch on the beach because it's the middle of summer. I mean, December the 24th, December the 25th, it's hot. And uh, in Perth and in Sydney, places like that, it can, it, can, it can reach what they call a century. So it can get up to 100 degrees. You know, it's, it is hot. You know, it's funny. Um, I grew up in the Northeast. So I had um, in my childhood traditional Christmases in December in the cold weather and all of that in the snow. Um, but then I wound up, when I grew up, I moved to Southern California from New York and uh, found it to, you know, kind of an adjustment to get used to Christmas in a more, um, you know, uh, moderate uh, subtropical climate. Um, then, of course, I've spent time living in Florida, and that's a tropical climate. And What's weird is somehow in our culture, which is so, Christmas culture particularly, so influenced by commercialism, the images of Christmas still always are snow falling, Santa, people in coats and sleds and all of that traditional hallmark, you know, stuff. Um, Career and Ives is what I really meant. And uh, when you're watching the commercials in Florida and you're watching them in California, they still have the jingle jingle of the snow. It, it's bizarre how we view Christmas as a winter snowy holiday in terms of the trappings of it. But it, it's not that way in other parts of the world. No, no, it's not. And I have a friend who is currently living in India. She's from here. And she just sent me a video of a whole bunch of Santas. This is in India, where it is very hot right now, and singing um, Feliz Navidad. And, and, and it's wild. It's wild. It is yeah. wild. And it's fantastic. Do you think that Santa will be wearing a mask this year? I think, you see, Santa, I think Santa is outside of time mm -hmm. because Santa has to be. So I don't know that Santa even has to breathe when Santa goes down chimneys or into however Santa actually gets toys uh, and whatever things like gift cards and Amazon thing, whatever Santa does. So I don't know that Santa even needs to breathe. Mm, that's to possible too. Santa might be an alien. You know, it's interesting uh, as we're speaking, and uh, I didn't do any prep on this. I realized I haven't been to a department store um, at Christmas, maybe in a few years. Do department store Santas still exist? And if so, in the COVID era, do they wear masks? I mean, do, I, I, I can't imagine children... Well, I can't imagine children sitting on, a, on the lap of a strange man anyway during this chapter of history but I, I i bet you don't know the answer either you i wonder are there santa clauses at department stores anymore i think that they have to be socially distanced um i i've heard quite a few stories about this and um santa clauses have been having a rough time because they they just can't get the work that they wanted to get because they're cutting back because of because of this very situation that you're talking about. And so, yeah, so maybe, um, maybe Santa could sort of have franchises this Christmas Eve and use some of the Santas who've not been out in department stores. Hmm. Well, that, that, that's something that we should bring up at the next Council of Elves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so... Uh, 
I, when I think about you, I think about, as I said before, exotic foreign places. Do you, and, and when you think about Christmas, unlike Thanksgiving, as you mentioned before, the, the, the Barbie and you know, shrimp on the Barbie and different uh, cultures, Thanksgiving is an American holiday with turkey. The most I could think of with Christmas is maybe a goose. Uh, and, and you, you know, you might find in the back bins of your supermarket they'll have one or two geese. <laughs> but, but <laughs> you know, people don't serve goose that much. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's ever made a goose at Christmas. But there's, you know, um, there's all kinds of uh, sugar plums. I mean, what the heck is a sugar plum? So what, what, what do you know from your experiences that I probably would know nothing about? Well, they used to serve goose uh, in in the UK um, in Victorian times. I mean, there's there's a Sherlock Holmes story about about a goose that actually had a, a precious gem hidden inside of it. It's a very good story. So they used to serve goose. Goose, according to my dad, who told me this, uh, because they had goose. Uh, once or twice when he was very little, is very, very fatty and difficult to cook. Mm -hmm. So goose is not worth it. We generally have turkey in the UK on Christmas Day. Christmas Eve basically um, is a massive time for everybody to get unbelievably blitzed, to use British expression. That's what people do in the UK. Have a big hangover Christmas morning and then have Christmas lunch. And it's, it's turkey. And the, the big thing also at Christmas lunch is Christmas pudding. Now, it's not pudding like we call it here in the States. It is a Christmas dessert that we set fire to. <laughs> and, and that's sort of like, it's like burning marshmallows over the campfire. It gives it its final, its final uh, flavor. Is that what yes, you're saying? You turn the lights off. Somebody gets gets a, a match or something, and you pour brandy over it, wow. and you literally set it alight. That's the executive director of the DC radio company, as well as our correspondent in the nation's capital, Victoria Jones. Okay, we have time for one more. Some of you who follow my adventures know that I'm a member of the rock band Gun Hill Road, which has been around since the early 70s. Perhaps you remember the band's biggest hit, Back When My Hair Was Short. Well, earlier this year, we made a new album titled What Year Is This? And in it is a spoken word song that I co-wrote with my bandmates, Steve Goldrich, Paul Reich, and Brian Coonan. They wrote the music and I penned the lyrics. I'm also the lead speaker on the song because it's a spoken word song. It was originally written as a tribute to animals and their welfare and became somewhat of a modest hit on YouTube. Interestingly, many people said it had a religious or spiritual quality about it. So what the heck? I think I'd like to play it for you now as a tribute to the beauty of Christmas. It's called I Know You're Real. I know you're real. I know you're real. I understand that you're real. We are drops in the same endless sea, branches on the tree of to be. We think, we know, and we feel. Beams of light from the same shining star, spinning between what's near and far. I believe you are real. Eyes, mind, heart, and soul know you're real. 
I am sure you are real. We are words in the same simple prayer. All of our spirits are there. We are thoughts in the eternal mind. Now it is time to be kind. I know you're real. I know you're real. Treasure I shall not steal. I know you're real. I know you're real. I understand that you're real. Our notes in the same melody, singing in nature's sweet harmony. All of our spirits are here. We are cranes on the same golden beach. The light is not out of reach. I truly know you are real. The spark of life is in your eyes. I truly know you are real. We are drops in the same endless sea, branches on the tree. A new day will dawn if we just have the will. I believe. In thou shalt not kill. I know you're real. I know you're real. Treasure I shall not steal. I know you're real. I know you're real. I understand that you're real. Merry Christmas, everyone. That's Gun Hill Road with I Know You're Real from the group's latest album, What Year Is This? I wrote and recited the lyrics on that production. If you'd like to see the accompanying video on YouTube, please go to IKnowYouAreReal.com. That's IKnowYouAreReal.com. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Rap, an overview of the national conversation looking back at the week of Monday, December 20th through Friday, December 24th, 2021, the very special week before Christmas. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. And this has been an interesting year. Next week's program will be a countdown of the top 10 stories of 2021. I can be reached via email at michaelatalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Rap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Rap is a production of Good Phone Communications in conjunction with Talkers Magazine and Talk Media Network. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.